We're back in the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, looking at the dry bones, and I know some of you probably think we've gnawed on these bones long enough. But today we're going to talk about the spirit and the bones. The spirit and the bones. Ezekiel speaking, he said, Then the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, Hear the word of the Lord. O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bones, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now the question that we've been asking, prompted to ask by this very passage of Scripture, uh, Ezekiel was prompted to ask it as he looked across uh, that valley at those dry bones, and we've been prompted to ask it about our own dry bones, and that is, can these bones live? My bones and your bones. I don't pretend to be an expert on revival, but I, I just know that revival, when it has come, has been an extraordinary work of God. And that's what we've been trying to think about as we look at this passage of Scripture. And I have defined revival for you as an extraordinary work of God that takes place when God visits the church with His presence and power and restores the relationship between His people and himself. You know, in the history of the church, churches that have experienced true revival uh, rarely trace it back to a series of services, but rather to a time when some small group in the church began to pray. I can think about that in times of churches that I've pastored in the past where some small group would pray. One occasion we had a small group of men who gathered in the church on Sunday afternoons and we would kneel there at the altar at the church and we just pray and we just prayed for other men in the church and in praying for those other men the Lord began to touch and change the lives of some of those men that we prayed for 
and in touching and changing the lives of those men, he touched and changed the life of our whole church. And it was not my preaching. It was a work of God's Spirit. Here in the book of Ezekiel uh, was the nation of Israel. And that's what God was showing Ezekiel in this valley of dry bones. And in verse 11, you see what they had said about themselves. And we've said that sometimes a church can draw this conclusion about itself. You can look at your church and your attendance or your budget or your decisions at the end of the service and you can say what they said about themselves in verse 11. Our bones are dried up and our hope is perished. We are completely cut off. They made such a statement because God had revealed it to them about themselves. They were saying that to themselves before God ever showed Ezekiel that valley of dry bones and, and asking this question. And the realization uh, that we are dry bones is not a conclusion that we come to on our own. We don't come to that conclusion without a work of the Lord. Now, in this 37th chapter of Ezekiel, God is showing Ezekiel how he will bring revival to his people. And remember, revival is an extraordinary work of God. It's something only God can do. Can mama or daddy make snow? No, mom and daddy can't make snow. All of us wanted it to snow. Only God makes the snow. And it comes where he wants to send it. And it doesn't always come to everybody. But sometimes it's, it comes. And when it comes to us, it is extraordinary. That's what I thought about this week. As I, thought, as I looked at the snow, I thought, this is so unusual for this part of Mississippi at this time of year. It's so special. It's extraordinary. It's sort of like revival, that revival that we need God to blanket us with. We need God to do something extraordinary. And so the conclusion I hope you come to as we walk through this series of messages together is this. If God is able to raise dry bones, then He can raise them here. And if God has the ability to raise them and the will to raise them, then we should ask Him to raise our bones up to walk in the newness of life. In his book, The Autopsy of a Deceased Church, that's a strange title for a book, I know, but Tom Rainer wrote it, and he says that in America, there are over 100,000 churches that are showing signs of decline to death. Why is that? Why is there decline in the church, whether it be in America or some other country? Because we need something that we can't give ourselves. We need a work of God in the midst of the church. Revival is no less than a resurrection of that which is dead, and it cannot happen without a, a work of the Lord. So how is it that God acts to send revival, and how did He intend to send revival to these dry bones in the book of Ezekiel? Now what I intend to show you today is that revival is not a work of man. Revival is a work of God's Holy Spirit. You know what men do when we, uh, in an effort to bring revival? We organize. We're good at that. We put together a program. And on the strength of our organization and programming, we believe that we can bring about revival. I know some very organized places 
In fact, the whole program is laid out before they ever get a single person to come. Everybody who wants a spot in that organization gets a spot. Everybody gets a name tag. Their birthdays are posted so that nobody will ever forget. It's always full attendance, is always 100%. And when they join there, there's always a big parade and a tent to set up to welcome them. You know what the secret of their attendance record is? It's a cemetery. Cemeteries are well organized, but there's no life there. And you can bring organization to a church. You can give it committees. In fact, there are books written on how to organize your church for church growth. And some of those churches do fairly well at collecting bones. But organization doesn't guarantee life. Tell me, by the way, the last time you ever had a revival break out in a committee meeting. Not many of us have ever experienced that. So these bones in the book of Ezekiel, as you read the story, you'll see that they had organization. Bone came together to its bones, but there was no life there. So what do we do when organization doesn't generate revival in the church? Well, what we do is we stretch the skin of a program over it. We flesh it out, we pump it up, and we promote it, and we get people to come. And, and what happens when you have a, a program and you promote it? Well, when you have a program and you promote it, people come, some folks come, they come for a while, and after a while, the program gets old and, and they drop out. Uh, and what do we say when they drop out? We say, well, they dropped out because they weren't committed to the program. No, they dropped out because there was no life there. Likewise, here in Ezekiel, these bones had skin stretched over them and they were all fleshed out in fine fashion, but they were still dead. And we found out in church that programs don't guarantee life. These bones also had a preacher. But as you can see, preachers don't guarantee life. What did these bones need? These bones needed the same thing that our bones need. Look at verse 9. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. If that is what the bones needed, what is it that we need? What did God mean by the breath? Well, the breath was the life-giving power of God's Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, the bones would never live and neither will we. Now, look carefully with me at what Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel to do. <coughs> Remember, first Ezekiel was to preach to the bones. He was to say, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And that's what he did. He said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And in miraculous fashion, things began to come together. But death still prevailed in that valley. That's when God told Ezekiel to do this one more thing. He said, now you need to prophesy to the breath. You need to call to the breath to come from the four winds and breathe on the slain that they may come to life. Now think with me about what that means. Was God giving Ezekiel authority over his spirit? No. 
What he was doing was he was giving Ezekiel a lesson as to the great need of the people to whom he preached. His preaching was not enough. Did you know that? Did you know that preaching is not enough to bring life to the bones? <clears throat> I bet some of you have, had, have heard more sermons than you can remember. You've not only listened to sermons in church, you've listened to sermons outside of church. You've listened to sermons on the radio. You've listened to sermons on your phone. You've listened to sermons on TV. You've heard so many sermons, you can't even remember how many sermons you've heard. And I've preached so many sermons, I can't even remember how many sermons I've preached. But I can guarantee you this, preaching does not give life to the bones. Life comes to the bones only by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And so God told Ezekiel, He said, you need to prophesy. You need to plead for the breath. You need to pray for the breath. You need to pray for the breath to come and bring life to the bones. Sunday by Sunday, no pastor should expect his preaching to have any effect without the life-giving power of God's Spirit. No congregation should come to church on Sunday and expect anything to happen without the life-giving power of God's Spirit. Therefore, as the preacher preaches, he must plead for the breath, come and breathe on these slain that they may come to life. And those who hear must pray, God, send your Holy Spirit. And what happened when Ezekiel began to preach, when he began to preach with the pleading for the breath, what happened in that valley? The Bible says, then breath came into them. And what does the Bible say that happened when the breath came into them? It says simply, they came to life. And how were they different after they came to life? They stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Life had come to the bones, but not by the power of organization or by the power of a program or even by the power of preaching, but by the power of the breath of God's Spirit. Remember, Ezekiel sees all this, and he tells us all this, uh, and he tells it to his own people because God has shown Ezekiel. Remember, we started in chapter 36. God says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something extraordinary. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put my Spirit in you, and I'm going to cause you to walk in my ways. I'm going to do something extraordinary in your life. And so he was to prophesy to the bones. Verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it. The bones only know that revival has come when God has brought life to them. Why is the church dry bones to start with? Well, we found out that we're dry bones because of sin. That's why our bones dry up. That's why churches look around and they don't see very many people anymore. Now, we can, we can, we can blame the culture. It's really easy to blame the culture. Well, there's so many things going on Sunday now, people don't come to church anymore. 
The real truth is there's so many things come going on in our lives anymore that's, uh, that separate us from God that people know so much about the church that they say if that's all that happens up at the church, there's no use for us to go because we got that going on in our own lives. And the church is not handling it for them and how will it ever handle it for us? A watching world needs to see life change in the midst of God's people. They need to see us become the people that God wants us to be. And that's not going to happen in me or in you without a work of God's Holy Spirit. We're dry bones because of sin, and because of sin God has withdrawn His presence and power from us so that no matter what kind of organization or program we put together, there will be no more life there than in a cemetery. And, and so what, what difference would it make if, dry bon if, if the Spirit came to God's people? Well, remember I've told you over and over that revival is an extraordinary work of God. Now, there are a lot of churches, by the way, that are growing today. And I'm going to suggest to you that what they're doing is some of those churches that are growing is they're growing because bones are moving from other churches to that church. We're just moving bones around. We move bones from a Baptist church to a Methodist church, or we move Methodist bones over to Baptist bones, or, or we move Baptist bones to another Baptist church down the road that's got a good youth program or a good children's program or a good whatever kind of program, but it's just a program with a bunch of bones. And sometimes they can add good music to it, and sometimes they can add lights and, and production and make it look really good. But you take that all away, and what you've got is just another group of bones that need a moving of God's Spirit. They need the stirring of God's Spirit. They need the life-changing power of God's Spirit. Let me give you an illustration, if I might, moving quickly to something that happened in the New Testament. You know how many members the first church in the New Testament had? 120. That's all they had. That number is given to us in Acts chapter 1, verse 15. And for the first little while, their gatherings were unremarkable. They had no record of any additions for the first little while. They did have a business meeting. They did have a business meeting. Every church has to have a business meeting. And in that business meeting, they made a decision which was probably a mistake. They, they decided they needed to get somebody to replace Judas, and they elected an apostle. We never hear anything else about him. But that's what the church did in this intervening time. While they were just meeting together, nothing remarkable happened. This 120 group. And then, but they did do, by the way, they did do one thing that most churches don't do today. They prayed. They prayed. And then one day as they gathered together, there was an extraordinary work of God. And in one day, one day, a church of 120 became a church of 3,120. Was it organization? Was it their program? Did they have a band? Was it the preacher? Was it the music? What was it? What drew all of these people and what brought them into the life of the church? It was an extraordinary work of God and it not only impacted their ministry on that day, but on the days to come so that the Bible says the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
And the explanation of that in the book of Acts is in chapter 2. It happened on the day of Pentecost. There was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And what was it? It was the coming of the breath of God, the Spirit of God into the life of that congregation. It was God's Holy Spirit. Peter preached the gospel, and as a result, 3,000 of those who received his word were baptized. That happened on one day. As a result of nothing Peter did or the church did, it was the coming of the breath of God's Spirit, and it was an extraordinary work of God. It was the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that gripped the hearts of these people. In verse 5 of Ezekiel chapter 37, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. And as Ezekiel preached, he was to plead for the breath. In verses 9 and 10, he said, prophesy to the breath. And he said in verse 14, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land and you will know that I am the Lord. Dry bones need an extraordinary work of God. We need a snow in the church. We need to be covered by the blanket of God's Holy Spirit. A refreshing, unusual, extraordinary, surprising work of the Lord. I'm telling you, we need that. I've been preaching a long time. I've been preaching a long time. And in and when I have seen revival... I should have brought my notebooks today, but I didn't. I've got a composition book, maybe three or four. I wrote down my sermons. I was preaching through the book of Psalms. 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 Started in Psalm 1. Went to Psalm 2. Psalm 3. Psalm 4. Psalm 5. Preaching through the book of Psalms, and something started happening. Somebody got saved one Sunday morning in March. I wrote it down at the top of my notebook, my composition book. I kept those. I just wrote it down. The next Sunday, somebody else got saved. We had two services. People that came to the early service came to the 11 o'clock service. Not because they wanted to hear psalms. They wanted to see who was going to be saved in the next service. Mothers brought children to my office in the middle of the week and they said, our child is under such conviction at school. They need to come and talk with you. And from a period of March started in about March until about May of that year, we had an extraordinary work of God that didn't have anything to do with the preacher. And it didn't have anything to do with that church. And it certainly didn't have anything to do with our music because we didn't know anything about music and what you were supposed to do about music. God worked and God stirred. And I have never forgotten that. That year we baptized 62 people in that little church. The 11th most baptisms in the state of Mississippi. 
I can tell you what, I have preached for years and not baptized that many people. In that little space of time, God did an extraordinary work. And I'm telling you, I'm just going to be honest with you, no matter what we do or what we try, or how loud the preacher preaches, or what passage of Scripture he chooses to preach from, or what the minister of music sings, or what we do for the youth, how many programs we have, how many events we organize, without the moving of God's Spirit, we will always be dry bones. Let's pray.